You're listening to the Superpower Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert. And today I'm delighted to have with us a really fantastic guest. He, he brings a wealth of information with him, um, a successful author, speaker, and trusted authority in the field of leadership. And so, so I really want you to kind of settle in and listen in as we have a dialogue around leadership, but, but he brings a unique aspect to it. So he, he looks really phenomenal on paper. So for over 20 years, he served as the president of International Nonprofit World Venture. He's now the president of HD Leaders. And so these are, these are global entities that, uh, that have an impact. And he's, he's an author's best-selling book, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make. Um, and, and his newest book is Top 10 Ways to Be a Great Leader. So we're going to talk to him today about leadership and personal development superpowers. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Hans Finzel to the show. Welcome, Hans. Thank you, Tonya. Great to be on the show with you today. I'm so excited to have you here. You're, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't known you long, but you're certainly delightful, and I'm really excited to share your expertise and experience with our audience. So thank you for joining us. You are so welcome. We're going to have fun. Always, always have fun. So first and foremost, talking about fun, we're going to throw you right in there and ask, what are your superpowers? Well, I'm a person that has a great discernment for people's emotional intelligence. You know, we've talked in the past a lot about IQ, but EQ is emotional intelligence. It's a lot more important for success in life and leadership. And I have the ability to size up people's emotional intelligence pretty quickly. Oh, I like that. So talk to me about that. What does that look like? Well, emotional intelligence is your people skills, how long you get, how, how much in touch you are with how you come across to other people. And uh, if you're self-aware, a lot of bosses are jerks because they're not self-aware and they have mm. blind spots. So your emotional intelligence, what I call the soft side of success in life. It's uh, my people skills, my conflict resolution skills. How do I come across to other people? How do they make me, how do I make people feel when I'm in the room with them? And, w- and when I'm under great pressure, <laughs> can I handle myself well? All that's mm. emotional intelligence and it's so critical to success in any field. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm really familiar with emotional intelligence. I love how you worded it that you can size it up pretty rapidly. That to me is a phenomenal superpower. So do you have any tips for people on, on just maybe some, some things that they can be looking for if they're trying to get a feel for how emotionally intelligent someone is? Yeah, well, I think it has to do with uh, how comfortable do you feel around them? How do they make you, do they make you feel uh, anxious, uh, uncomfortable? Would you like to hang out at Starbucks with them? <laughs> And uh, the more people put you at ease, I think the more emotionally intelligent they are. And, and a big part of that is they're not, it's not just about them. They're not uh, just focusing on themselves, but they're focusing on the other people in the room. So that's, mm. that's some of the ways you can assess a person's emotional intelligence. How do I feel around them? Am I empowered? Do I enjoy being around them? Do they fuel me? Or am I ready for this meeting to be over? <laughs> <laughs> You're like tapping out. I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, and it's so funny. My husband and I met um, teaching at the counterintelligence special agent course for the government. And one of the topics that everybody always wants us to teach is lie detection, right? That's the big sexy whatnot. And, 
And after a while of doing the NLP and all these other modalities and stuff like that, what I found was similar to what you're talking about. And, um, and I started moving the dialogue into what I called congruity. And so teaching people about the congruence of our communication. So if your mind, you, you know, your mind says one thing, your body says something else, and then your energy says something totally different. And when those three things are aligned, you feel congruent. Essentially what you're talking about, people feel good around you. Like you feel confident, you feel secure. Um, but when they're off, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're lying. It simply means that there is an incongruity somewhere in there. I hadn't heard it described the same way you just described it with regard to emotional intelligence, but it makes perfect sense to me that those are connected. It's a big field and, and I love it. And when I think about the people I've hired and fired a lot of people in my career and the people I've fired, it was always because of their poor EQ, not because they weren't smart and couldn't mm -hmm. do their job. But I remember one lady I had to let go and people would say, you know, I just feel like I'm walking on eggshells around her. I never know mm. when she's going to explode. Well, that's and sadly, uh, she wouldn't uh, accept help. She wouldn't get help. She didn't change. And so it was an EQ. If you can picture an mm -hmm. iceberg, everything above the waterline is IQ. And that's <laughs> what we see first, how smart people are, you know, what they can do. But the under the waterline is a lot mm. bigger. And that's emotional intelligence. And what sank the Titanic? Under yep. the waterline. So it's that's huge. That's really? perfect. And it, it's a, such a great description. And in it, like I said, the parallels are so great. I just picked up um, the revised copy of uh, Psycho-Cybernetics, and I was thinking about his whole philosophy on self-image. And it, it reminded me, and I'd forgotten this, but when I was much, much, much younger, I would say probably junior high, maybe high school, I came up with a theory that most of the social ills in the world um, would be resolved, if not all of them, if we looked at self-esteem. And, um, and so it's, it's so funny because what you're talking about there just reminded me of that when you're, you're confident and comfortable in who you are, you, you can be generous and gregarious and, and, and um, benevolent with, with the people that you're around. And, and it doesn't cost you anything with regard to your own identity. Um, and and that's, that's, a, that's a theory that I love delving into. So, so you're 100% you're speaking my language here. Oh, good, good. That's awesome. <laughs> so let's talk about how you got into this field. So I know that, like I said, you, you look amazing on paper. You're very impressive with, between the bestsellers, the experience, and everything else. But where did this all begin? Why leadership? When I was a, a young guy starting out in my career after grad school in my 30s, I ended up working for a visionary founder who was a jerk. <laughs> and uh, he crushed my dreams. And when I speak mm. nowadays, and I do a lot of public speaking on leadership, and I always ask my audiences, how many of you've worked for a terrible boss? Guess mm. how many people raise their hand? <laughs> Every single hand goes up. Yeah. So <laughs> I worked for a terrible boss, and he was very smart, and I believed in mm. the vision, but he was a control freak and a micromanager. He had the founder syndrome, and I ended up quitting that uh cause, which I was very excited about. And that's when I got interested in leadership. And I said to myself, if I ever become a leader of something significant, I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be the kind of person that actually empowers people, doesn't frustrate them. So that's how I first got my interest in leadership. Oh, that's a great way. In fact, it's in alignment with one of the things we talk about a lot here at Superpower Experts that you know our superpowers really um, almost always start off as challenges. And, and that you're, you're kind of speaking to that with regard to like having that experience is what made you 
this um, amazing authority on this matter because it motivated you to really see beyond what you experienced. And, and not only that, but it allows you, you know, back to that emotional intelligence piece, it allows you to connect with people who've had similar experiences. Um, and and exactly. so what, looking back, like, does that, does that feel like you kind of designed it that way? Like, what is your take on fate and, and divine intervention and, and design and all that other stuff? Uh, no, I, I did not design it that way. You know, when people ask me this question, sometimes, hey, what did you want to be when you were a kid, when you grow up? And I'm like, zero. I had no idea, never thought about it. <laughs> I just mm. had fun growing up as a kid and a teenager. Even when I, went away, when I went away to college, I didn't really have an intention of a big dream. And so I, I fell into the field of leadership out of need. And that's what often creates the greatest careers when you're trying to meet a need. Right. And so I just, as the years have gone by, I started studying leadership. I had my doctorate in the field. I started writing on it. And then I became a CEO of a big $35 million international nonprofit, which I ran for 20 years. So I really got to bust my chops practicing what I was learning. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a perfect leader or even a great leader, but I've made so many mistakes. And so, you know, I more and more became passionate about helping good leaders become great leaders and especially helping leaders that just start out uh, kind of know what to pay attention to mm, I like so that. So, okay so it, it wasn't a plan i just fell into it yeah <laughs> i like that so what are uh so what's one of the biggest mistakes you made as a leader uh well probably uh in my book, The Top Ten Mistakes Leaders Make, the, the first chapter is the top-down attitude. And that's where, you know, I'm the boss, so I'm the most important. I think the f biggest mistake I made early in my career is I was arrogant. I was self-centered. It was all about me and my career. I was a type A personality that would walk over other people, run over people to accomplish my goals and my you know, what I wanted to accomplish. And I had a great crisis in my 30s where my team rose up against me and they sort of voted me off the island, so to speak. <laughs> and they said, I, we don't want mm. you to lead us anymore. We don't like your leadership. It's not because you're not smart. You're very smart and very mm -hmm. gifted and you do a lot of things well. And I said, well, what's the problem? They said, you don't care about us. It's mm. all about you, Hans. It's not about us. And so that was a huge uh, learning that I had early in my career, and, and I think I've had to relearn it. But great leadership is about we. It's not about me. And that was mm -hmm. a big, big lesson I learned. How did you handle that? It was hard. It was very hard. I was crushed. And mm -hmm. uh, that's when I went away and did my doctorate in the field of leadership. And I had this wonderful mentor. And he said, Hans, when people criticize you, you know, don't get defensive. Keep your mouth shut. Process what they're saying and look for the 5% truth in what they're telling you. This goes back to emotional intelligence and EQ mm -hmm. because a lot of people, and I had a blind spot, a big blind spot about me, and, I, and, and they were right, actually, their criticism. It wasn't 5%. It was probably 25% or more. Mm. So I learned. I learned how I was coming across and whether, no matter whether they were right or wrong, I'd said, this is how I'm coming across, and I need to make some changes. That's becoming <laughs> yeah. more in touch with your emotional intelligence and how you're coming uh, across yeah. to people. I'm laughing because I was, uh, you know, as a counterintelligence agent, I used to do um, surveillance. 
and surveillance is, is very much a team sport, at least in, in uh, the team that I was on. That's how they handled it. And um, we had these sessions after every day called a hot wash. And that's where, I mean, the team, the synchronous, the synchronicity of the team was so crucial that if there's anything outstanding or any issues or anything like that between members, they had to be hashed through before the next day. And um, so we had these hot washes and every time, I mean, not every time, but me being dramatic every time there was uh, this one in particular gentleman who got upset because of something that I said, and he ended up crying. And I was like, I just don't get it. My, the chief uh, who, who was male at the time pulled me aside and he's like, look, like I have the same issue you do, but you're female. So everybody's going to think you're a bitch, you know? And I'm like, well, I don't understand what's happening here. Like I, I didn't intentionally mean to hurt his feelings, you know? And he's like, I know, but you got to watch how you're speaking. I was like, should I giggle? Like, well, you know, of course I was being defensive and being like, I don't get it. Like what, what's the problem here? Why is he taking it this way? And it took me a few years to really settle in. And, and that's what drove me to, um, you know, in my way of speaking over in the superpower arena, more looking at where somebody's energy is sitting when they're communicating and are they solidly um, sitting in the center of who they are or if they're up in their head in that kind of defensive posturing and reacting and um, attuning myself to how to say the exact same message, but from a different frequency. So it's received differently. Um, (laughs) And um, it was, it was, you know, that was a, but that was the bulk of my early career was that kind of feedback. And I finally was like, okay, like I'm the common denominator here. Like (laughs) I'm thinking that there's a message in this somewhere for me. Um, But like you said, it stung though. Like it kind of sucked to get that feedback. And you know, it's a lifelong thing. And you know, naturally we, we uh, are abrasive to certain people just by virtue of our personality. It sounds like no matter what you did, you were abrasive to that particular person. But mm-hmm. I love what you guys were doing was so healthy, a hot wash. I've never heard that before, but <laughs> I wish more teams would do hot washes because, you know, one of the biggest problems in teams is lack of trust. Mm-hmm. And the reason they don't trust each other is because they're not vulnerable and they avoid conflict, right? And, and, and unity on a team is built through healthy conflict. So that's what you, your chief was making you do every evening. I love that. I wish more teams would do that. Oh, I do too. I, I think we should go full on fight club, honestly. Like <laughs> yes, I think every totally. office should have like a boxing ring and you just kind of put the, because, and, and there, and I think too, as women, as young girls, very few of us are raised. I mean, I don't want to make overgeneralizations, but, but at least that was my experience growing up as a young girl. Like there weren't a lot of dialogues around healthy expressions of anger and expression um, socially, you know, you just didn't do it. And I watched because I, I, I was the type of girl who had tended to have a lot of male friends. And I watched how they would argue and fight and then, and then be best friends, like just like on, on a turn of a dime. And it was, I was, I was like an archeologist or an anthropologist, sorry, <laughs> yes. like observing their behavior, like, you know, like a, like an alien dropped on this planet, looking at these guys going, but you just like, we're at each other's throats. And then now you're fine. Whereas the passive aggressive methodology um, of, of kind of quieting down and not bringing it to the surface, I saw how um, toxic that was in all relationships. Um, and, and so, so it was, it was interesting that, you know, I can look back on my existence and see all these examples of these things that played out that way. Um, you know, and you and I can sit here and have a conversation about it now. So 
Pretty That's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, so we're going to take a quick break. You've been listening to Dr. Hans Fazel about leadership and personal development superpowers. So when we come back from this break, I'm really going to pick his brain about um, some of the excelling arenas around leadership and what you can do to tap into those. So stick with us and we'll be right back. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the net you get 24 7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers if you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world then join the superpower net today visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more awesome we're back with the superpower up podcast you've been listening with dr hans finzel about leadership and personal development superpowers. So so what's on the horizon in the leadership arenas and how can people kind of get ahead of the curve and be the next best, greatest leader? <laughs> well, one thing I've observed is when people get into leadership, they don't realize they need some training. And so I think the it's almost like there's so many great books and podcasts on leadership and seminars, uh, books, but you know, I think my first message to people, in fact, my new book, The Top 10 Ways to Be a Great Leader, is sort of about the essential skills that leaders need to master. And the L in leadership is, to me, that represents the two most important words in a leader's vocabulary. And the L stands for listen and learn. So my first message on the horizon for any of you who are new into leadership or maybe you've been a leader a long time is to keep learning about how to be a better leader. And there's many, many ways you can learn. But, you know, if you're a doctor or a teacher or uh, an airline pilot, you have to keep refreshing your skill. But we, we have no requirements like that for people in leadership. <laughs> and, no, and I we don't. People fall into leadership and they think, well, I guess I know how to, I can wing this. I can be a good. <laughs> so my message is no, don't wing it. Mm-hmm. learn, study, develop. It's it's a sacred responsibility to lead other people. And I think, I, you know, I told you at the beginning of the, I think before we've actually went on the air, I think I've seen more bad leaders than good leaders. And so don't just assume you know what you're doing. Uh, I'm just passionately want to help leaders listen and learn. And when I ask the audience the question, Okay, you said your boss is a jerk. Uh, he, uh, why? And so many times I hear this. He just won't listen. She just mm. won't listen. She thinks she knows everything. She's not. And if they don't listen, they don't learn because those two words are totally intertwined. You can't learn if you don't listen. And people love working for bosses and managers and leaders that are open to feedback, to input, right? To creativity. Mm-hmm. Because they, you know, it's like a team and, and the boss doesn't know everything. Sadly, some bosses think they do. Mm, I love that. Yeah, we, I experienced that firsthand being in the military and then in the government and, and how promotion worked there. And, and it was kind of like who's breathing the longest, you know, who, you know, that <laughs> yes. kind of thing. And, and there wasn't a lot of training. I mean, the way it was broken down was there's a lot of training in the skill set but not necessarily in the, the management of people. And, and I saw um, my experience was a little different because I, w- I went in 
later in life and had a master's degree and, and it kind of dive, had, had been diving around in the psyches of people for quite a while. And so that was something that I noticed was severely lacking and it, and it made a big difference. Um, and, and like you, it's like in observing the world around me, like you, you just know, you can see the leaders who people love to follow and, um, and, and the leaders who people are very resistant to following and the patterns seem to be very obvious but for some reason, when it comes to our own personal behavior, we, we have blind spots. And I think that it, that goes back to what you were talking about. Be willing to be led, you know, be willing to learn and, and keep training. And there's always somebody who's got a skill set that, that you don't currently possess. Absolutely. And so the best leader knows that. And mm. they, I always hire to my weaknesses. And some, some people are threatened by strong leaders around them. But I, mm-hmm. I think it's the best kind of team. And so it's I've a whole always, Henry Ford philosophy, right? Yeah, like, uh, exactly. you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You just have to know who those people are. <laughs> totally, totally, absolutely. And and let me just say, leadership is people work. It's not your technical expertise. It's not your um, right. It's not how smart mm. you are. It's people work. And so, and I think in the government, it, in the military, it is a big problem. It's also a big problem in the educational world and mm-hmm. in public education in America. I've I've been I've worked with some school systems, and oh my goodness, uh, it's a lot like the military. Yeah, you just scratch your head at who ended up being the superintendent or the principal. Well, and and let's talk a little bit about um, you know, it, it, superpower experts. A big part of our dialogue is around fear because. My bias is that, you know, when fear drives us in decision making, that's when we tend to make decisions from lower frequencies or, or, you know, lower emotional IQ and um, emotional intelligence. And so the, there's a real deep seated fear, I think, in people. Well, well, let me back up a second. My, my, my thoughts just took another turn. So, okay. so the, the imagery that I'm seeing is like, you know, we talk about mastering your personal power, which is kind of that the individual hero's journey, right? Walking up the mountain and everything else. And then, and then once you kind of get to a certain state of, of awareness, of self-actualization, if you will, you know, the superpower conversation for us is, is when you then move to working in collaboration and working with others and being open to um, being fed and led and while, while feeding and leading and, and, and on all that good stuff. And so, but what we find is that a big part of the obstacle or the biggest obstacle for people transitioning from kind of looking at it as their own personal growth versus really what am I doing in the world is, uh, is fear, right? And so, and you mentioned it, you said that, you know, a lot of people are, um, resistant to kind of letting other people around them if, it, if they, you know, they might feel, um, uh, um, um, what's the word? You said it. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure which word. Insecure. In, well, yeah, not, insecure. not insecure, but, yeah. but feel threatened. 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 There we yeah. go. Threatened. I'm like, I knew it was right there. Um, let's talk a little bit about that fear and how can we, like what practical advice can you offer to people about that, how to be, more um, open to allowing other people's brilliance to shine. Cause that, that seems like an elixir. Like if we could bottle that, that's probably <laughs> like the million dollar, you know, solution there. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. And I think uh, I don't, I'm sure you know, Brene and her mm-hmm. whole power of vulnerability. But if I, if I had a magic sauce that could help people overcome fear, I I would be very wealthy. (laughs) I'm telling (laughs) you, yeah. Yeah, because fear is something that 
everybody deals with and has to overcome. And it's the conversation going on between your ears. But in leadership, uh, for example, delegation is such a huge thing. The H in leadership stands for hands-off delegation. And I, uh, one of the big problems that leaders have is they don't delegate well. And a lot of it is around fear. Mm-hmm. They're afraid the job won't be done well. They're afraid it won't be done on time. Uh, they're also afraid it might be done better. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and they're just yeah. control freaks. They're afraid of letting go and letting other people shine. And, and I think the worst kind of leader is, a, is the kind of leader that has to just, is the control freak, who has to mm-hmm. control everything and make all the decisions. They can never go on vacation because the place falls apart without them because they're mm-hmm. control freaks. And right. it's, to me, it's all embedded in fear. If you could just relax <laughs> and, and trust other people, back to trust, you have to... Mm-hmm. To me, great delegation is mentoring other people. It's developing the leaders around you. And one of the biggest responsibilities of leadership, in my mind, is to develop other leaders around you mm. and work yourself out of a job. Yep. And, and if everything runs great without you, consider yourself a great leader. Mm, <laughs> you're still beautiful. needed to be because you're yeah. the founder, you're the owner, you're the boss. And, and and, and you have to shift from just trying to control everything to being a team leader who helps the team. Mm, and sometimes that means allowing other people to fall, you know, oh, and, yes. and to make mistakes and to learn resiliency in and of themselves. Um, I think, I think a lot of times people cling to that because they, it feeds their ego, you know, that's obviously laced in fear to think that they're, they're that needed that oh, it is yeah. that required. And, and so there's, there's a lot of um, beauty. It, it's like parenting, you know, there, there's different ways of parenting. And one of, one of the methodologies is allowing um, your child to be this kind of holistic um, whole version of themselves and, and not be codependent upon you. But that threatens a personality that might want to live vicariously through that. And I think that, 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 that we see that in leadership a lot. Um, yeah. There's you know, a lot. A lot of yeah. unhealthy. Let me tell you a funny story. I was, my wife and I go to Mexico a lot for vacation and we were in Cabo and in a hot tub at our resort. And there was this lady in there and we were just talking to an older lady. And, and she pointed to her husband over there uh, on the couch on his phone at mm. the pool working. And she said, you know, my husband hasn't taken a vacation for 25 years. And the only reason he's an attorney. And the only reason he's here is because he won a free trip and he felt like he had to take it. (laughs) And and he's sitting there uh, by the pool working his phone. And I just thought, how sad that you can't learn to relax and let go and have a more full balanced life. Mm. Because I don't think we're meant to work 24 seven. Do you? Not at all. And I, but I do, but I do think that you're touching on something that's really crucial and it's, it, you know, we see it a lot with entrepreneurs and with businesses that we advise. It's, there's, it's like this hamster wheel. And, and you know, a, a, a little quip on our end, like we just recently came back from Burning Man. So my husband and daughter and I, we all went to Burning Man. And it was interesting because we're, we did exactly what you were talking about. Um, you know, prior to that, the idea of taking like eight days away, um, total, you know, no digital products, no technology whatsoever, um, from, from both businesses that we operate was unheard of. 
And it finally just got to the point where we're like, we're just going to do it. And what's the worst that can happen? Like, I think the world's going to continue to spin. Like, I think it'll be okay. And, and it was such an amazing reset to have that experience. And not that we didn't take time out. I mean, we travel, we do a lot of other things, but there was always a connectivity aspect. We always had our, you know, we could get to it. And, and we had put teams in place and done this all the other thing. And it was time to really test it and see, okay, can this survive without us? And it was so liberating. So incredibly liberating, but I'll tell you on the other side of that, it felt like this giant chasm that we were going to leap over. And then as soon as it was done, it was like, oh, that was such a non-event. Like it was super easy. I think now we're a little addicted to the idea of it. You know, we may vacate more often. We are definitely addicted to our <laughs> smartphones. There's no question about it. It's become a huge social problem. And when it we is. go to Mexico on vacation, we lock our phones in, uh, generally in the safe in the room and try to, you know, we'll check them once a day in mm-hmm. case there's some emergency. But, but it's harder and harder to let that device go, mm-hmm. isn't it? But it's so powerful when you try. And I think yes. that that's, that's what you're speaking to is, you know, that, that I, I, if, if, folks, if you get nothing else out of this entire interview, which if, if that's true, you probably weren't listening. But the, the <laughs> point about relax and trust other people is so huge. And just watch what happens. And that's true in your families. It's true with your children. It's true with spouses, with business, with across the board. Just relax and trust other people. And, um, and watch what happens. And I think you're going to find that that it opens up this expansive world far greater than anything you can anticipate. Um, Hans, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, my website is HansFinzel.com, H-A-N-S-F-I-N-Z-E-L, HansFinzel.com. And all my books are on Amazon and wherever books are sold. You just type in my name and you'll see my books. And right now I've just launched my 10th book, The Top 10 Ways to Be a Great Leader. I'm very excited about it. So thanks for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. And we'll make sure to put links to your book there. And, um, and I'm excited about you and all the work that you're doing in the world. So thank you for representing the, uh, the, the push for higher emotional intelligence and leadership. I, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you, Tonya. I appreciate it too. Absolutely. So you've been listening to Superpower Podcast, uh, and we've been talking about leadership and personal development superpowers. So thank you all for tuning in. As always, we appreciate your loyalty. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers, and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.